You are listening to the Race to Racer podcast presented by Race 92. Race 92 is a vintage-inspired racing apparel brand specializing in celebrating vintage race culture and adapting to motorsports today. Check out race92.com for all your racing merchandise needs. I'm your co-host, Aaron Mactier. Other co-hosts you may have seen walking out of a great clips with a big old smile on his face. You may have seen him at a dirt track and at Road America this past weekend. He is one and only Scott Bowie. And by the way, I know you just have some mozzarella sticks and a four-piece chicken something, and I hope, I hope you enjoy that as well. And it sounds like you were even taken in a concert. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I don't know about the concert part. We were. Uh, I accidentally recorded a conversation, sent it to you, <laughs> uh, which I I do that every once in a while. So if anybody hey, at least you weren't my... saying anything bad about me. No, luckily we had just stopped. But, <laughs> right. Uh, uh yeah no it's funny uh every once in a while i'll just do that where i accidentally send a voice memo or something yep i figured that was the case i didn't expect to get a two-minute voice conversation from you (laughs) yeah but uh yeah went to road america this weekend watched a friend of the show jagger jones race tough weekend for jagger he got spun on the start of the first race uh second race he uh started six uh, got shuffled back to eighth, got back to seventh, uh, ran hard, just wasn't his weekend. Um, I got to watch a little bit of the Indy cars run. Um, man, I'd never been to road America. What a beautiful facility. Yeah. Uh, I've heard about it. I've never been there. I would, I would suggest anybody go. They had a big crowd. Um, by all accounts, you know, everybody was talking about how, how much the crowd was up. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend. Um, we drove back. Actually, we didn't stay for the IndyCar race. And we drove back Sunday morning and uh, listened to the race the best way you can. And that's with our friends at the Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway Radio Network and listen to Mark and um, do the call of the race. And it, it, it sounded like it was a great race. I don't know visually there it was a great race, but over the radio, it was an amazing race. So, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah. And like I said, Erickson is currently in the points lead right now. Um, you know, had a strong, strong finish second and Alexander Rossi, man, ever since that announcement came out, that dude has been fast. Well, actually it was right before the announcement, right? Is right, that no, the you're speedway? Right, yeah. Uh, in not qualifying, but during the well, race, he, to it's be like fair, this, probably the, at that point they probably already. I mean, he knew the announcement was coming, so. Well, it was a it was a terribly kept secret at that point, yeah. right? Um, I mean, it was coming soon, um, but uh, it, it it's crazy how those the switches flip and all of a sudden where you were struggling before, all of a sudden now things are going your way, so. Good for that guy. The sport, like I said before, is much better when Rossi is up front. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. So, um, no, that was definitely, you know, a good race. Joseph Newgarden <clears throat> got the win. Um, and speaking of Jagger Jones, um, today, or I guess this is going out Wednesday, earlier in the week we released a um, a video of racing go-karts with Jagger Jones which um, was really cool. That was back in May. Um, me and my buddy Jacob, who's part of Race 92 as well, um, we, we definitely had a lot of fun with it. And um, 
it was a good learning experience. I learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and, you did. Uh, it's a fun video. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and this, if anybody's been listening to the show, this is kind of what I was alluding to before. Uh, Aaron has been working on things um, like that video. He did another video for Jagger, kind of talking about Jagger coming back and running the Speedway. Um, those are both up and posted. Please check them out. Aaron put in a ton of work on those videos. So, uh, man, hats off to you, bud. You did great work on, on both of them. Uh, and, and your girlfriend, Gabby, you know, she did some of the video work yes, she did at the, the go-kart, go-kart one and yeah. she did a great job. So, uh, man, it, it was just, uh, it was, it was fun. Great. You know, just great work. Yeah, and we're definitely working on some other things as well and have some other things in the work and other ideas of doing some other fun, similar things like that. Um, you know, we want to really, obviously we're a podcast, but we want to, you know, kind of put our boots on the ground a little bit and kind of be on location and do some stuff, fun stuff like that. Yeah, I I mean, it's just, it, it's just fun, right? I mean, it, that's yeah. what this is about. Having and you fun. made a cameo. You even made a, a small cameo in the go-kart video. I did. It was a very small cameo. And if you watch all the way to the end, you see me again. But you have to watch past the credits. But you know, you know, it's really funny. So when, when we were starting the second race, because I was editing the video, I mean, the carts were really loud. But surprisingly, we, I could still hear you talking over the carts. Surprisingly, I know. You, my and voice carries. The only thing I heard was believe it or not. So I don't know what you were talking about, but you just said <laughs> believe it or not. So probably something about how yeah i have yeah. no idea what we were talking about um no that was a good time and it, you know and the people of fast times yeah. were generous with their time and allowing us to come in there and do that and the workers there were excellent uh i would suggest anybody going there if you're an indie go to fast times those yes. are those carts are fast um and they'll give you a workout and you know ja- jagger actually you know said that it I got to be careful how I say this. He said that it was harder to not well harder to drive a car than the USF 2000. Like it was more of a workout. It was physically more demanding to to steer and and to run on that small track with the go kart. Yeah. Um, And I'm still recovering from that, dude. My ribs, dude. My ribs has been sore for like three weeks. I like bruised a rib bad, man. Like I I had trouble sleeping for like a week. I can believe that. You don't have a lot of spare meat on your body, so. Well, dude, and I even, they even have like an extra seat cushion I put in the seat. Because remember, we were talking about this with Taylor Reimer, because he says she has to use the same type of seat cushion when she goes to places like that, because she's real small and like, small like me. Right. And it's just like, you know, if I don't have that, man, I'd, it'd be a whole different, I'd be even worse, man. It'd be bad. Because I've done it before without that. My back is just bruised up and down. <laughs> Um, and Jagger yeah. got pretty beat. He was showing me, I saw him one day at the track after that. And he was, you know, pulling his shirt up a little bit. He's like, yeah, I got a bruise here. I got a bruise here. And I'm like, man, Cape Motorsports is going to come after us. <laughs> he, uh, he's a funny guy, man. And, uh, uh, you know, somebody else who had a great weekend this weekend was, uh, William Jack Miller. Or is it Jack Wayne Miller? I'm sorry. Jack William Miller, yeah. I saw Jack that. Wayne Miller. I'm so sorry. Um, he had a great weekend as well. Another another guest of the show. So uh man, and he's had a, a few, you know, things are starting to come around his way. Yeah. And uh good for him. You know, yeah, I know definitely. he's put a lot of effort into it. 
and his his dad definitely you know puts a lot into lot into his son and you know the team and the sport um we definitely like to see you know and obviously dr jack is a great guy yeah like we said um a couple weeks ago i you know talked to him a little bit um during the 500 weekend and you know he said whenever we want to have him back on the show he's more than welcome to um you know he's we're more welcome to have him back on so um definitely great guy definitely great to see you know things working out for them yeah i i mean that's awesome man i like it when any young guy um you know they start seeing success because you put in so much time and effort absolutely Uh, it's good to see that success you know so as we said last week our show today is sebastian severde um drove in multiple indy 500s you know one races in indy lights um, he, I think he had a class win in 24 hours at Daytona. So great driver. He was someone who started IndyCar. I mean, he was drove in the Indy 500 super young. I mean, he's like 19. Um, and he's, you know, still, I mean, he's only like 30 something early, early 30. So he's super young, you know, he still has fight left in him and he's still, you know, looking, I mean, if an IndyCar ride comes this way, you know, he'll take it. Um, it's definitely great to see. And, um, yeah, Sebastian's a great guy. Um, someone that, you know, when I kind of grew up in IndyCar racing, I, mean, I really started going to races kind of when he started started racing. Um, so, you know, it's kind of cool to talk to him because I kind of saw him kind of progress through the years, um, you know, race for different teams and stuff. So, you know, it's cool cool to talk to him for sure. Yeah, it was a, it was a great talk. Uh, great guy. Um, unfortunately, he started very young. And once, like so many young drivers in all forms of motorsports, sometimes by the time they start figuring it out, uh, the door starts shutting on them a little bit. And I, unfortunately, that's happened to him in the IndyCar side mm-hmm. a little bit. But I know uh, just from talking to you, who's talked to him a little bit more than I did, um, that he is trying to put things together. And hopefully something does come together for him. In the future, he can he can get back out and uh, start running Indy cars a little more. Absolutely. Uh, so that that would be good to see. And and it was a, like I said, it was a great talk. Yeah, for sure. And next week we're going to release Chris Nifel, um, former Indy five hundred competitor. He drove in I think two or three five hundreds. Two or three, yeah. Yeah, he, he it, shouldn't it, probably. Cor- he, he'll listen to this and he'll correct me. So I do apologize, Chris. But, you know, great guy. And he's someone who, you know, is a fan of the show. He actually was watching and listening to some of our podcasts, which, um, I mean, that really does mean a lot. You don't know, Chris, how much that means. That really means a lot. It's really cool that, you know, someone like yourself is actually putting any stock in to myself and especially Scott Valley. Right. Yeah. I, I, I question your judgment, sir. No, it was, uh, it, it was great that to hear that, um, and it's always great. Like uh, we've received some uh, emails this week. I know you shared them with me and uh, thanks everybody who sent emails, um, comments, um, yeah. you know, on our videos. So, and, and it means a lot. It helps us make our product better. It helps us get an idea of what people are thinking about. Uh, so thanks to, to the people who did that. And again, thanks to Chris for taking the time to listen to us. Uh, it, it does mean a lot. It really does. Yep. And I, I forget the number, but he was joking at the end of the interview about, he's like, so I'm going to be like episode number 
Like yeah, I yeah, like he knew like yeah, like he really had it all kind of figured out. He was like, I was on Marshall Proust's podcast and I was number five. <laughs> well, we're not. Well, we're not Marshall Pruitt, so um, yeah, no, we. Um, sorry, Chris, you're, you're not number five, but you are in the top one hundred. So, <laughs> so definitely feel honored in that regard. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Marshall Pruitt, uh, I saw him driving around. It was good to see him at the racetrack. I don't know Marshall, mm-hmm. um, but you know, if anybody follows him at all, it, you know, um, it's you know, it's good to see him back at the racetracks. Uh, he adds something definitely to the sport that's needed. So it was really nice to see Marshall out and about. Um, and yeah, and, and again, man, if anybody gets a chance to go to Road America that hasn't been there, I highly suggest going. You're not going to be able to watch the whole track. In fact, you'll only be able to watch a video board in a very small section of the racetrack. But at that, even it's a uh, it's a really really neat place, and I would suggest everybody going to it. Yeah, and um, I, I will be in Mid Ohio in a couple of weeks, and it's pretty much the same same thing. I've never been to Road America, but I've seen enough video and photos of Road America. I'm pretty sure it's pretty similar, um, where it's it's really cool. You know, real big into the camping stuff like Road America is, and they just get a lot of people, big following in yeah. Ohio. Um, and it's just really cool atmosphere. And I'm sure road America is very similar to that. Yeah. I, I went to, uh, mid Ohio once when I was very young, oh. I remember parts of it. I don't remember very much about it. I do well, remember how I do remember that it was a very large place. So, well, I can tell you the track hasn't changed much since you last went there. <laughs> The facilities, I mean, it's original garages. I think the bathrooms are original. I mean, everything is original. I mean, with it adds to, I get, you know, some people may not like that, but it does, it makes you feel like you're back. I don't know. I, I don't mind it just because it, I just feel like it's part of the track at this point. Right. Yeah. No, it's, you just, it's like anything else. I mean, we all like the new and shiny, but yet then there's mm-hmm. this old and nostalgic as well. And you just, yeah. Um, as long as it's function, you know, as long as it still functions, then it's, I, I have, I never have a problem with the uh, old and nostalgic as long as it's still functional. Yep. It's still a road course. Like Marco Greco said about the memory of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I said, it's changed a lot since you last went there. He goes, is it still a novel? <laughs> yes, I remember is. that. Um, but yeah, no, so we want to thank everyone for listening. And I know that you, we have a little bit more racing news, something kind of on the sadder note, and I'll let you talk about that for a second. Yeah. So, um, very sad note. Um, Johnny Caples passed away, um, uh, at the end of last week. Uh, he, now Johnny is someone I, I knew as an acquaintance. Um, he would come in my shop. I, I knew I knew from before that. Um, he allowed us to make stuff for his pride and joy, which was his hot rod, which really meant a lot. Um, but Johnny meant a lot to a lot of people I knew that I know I should say, and he meant a lot to to auto racing. Uh, his his wife Dana. His, um, I would call him stepson, Dana's son, Roy Crothers. Uh, Johnny has has children as well. Um, they all, you know, 
Johnny, Johnny meant a lot to a lot of people. And uh, he was a mentor to a lot of people. And I'm going to read some of uh, Johnny's kind of accomplishments. Uh, Richie Murray from USAC really kind of chronicled them. So please bear with me one moment as I open this up. Uh, you know, so again, in the great Richie Murray, who we're going to have on at some point, uh, put this together. Uh, he, you know, Johnny did everything in the sport. He was a driver, won a USAC sprint car show driving for Al Unger uh, in New York. Uh, started racing at the age of 15, uh, running modifieds. Uh, he later on uh, went on, and as Johnny told me one time, he goes, I never retired. I just, I quit putting the helmet on. He said, I never announced my retirement. I just quit putting the helmet on. And uh, so he worked for uh, the Bells, Parnelli Jones Racing. He won back-to-back championships with Joe Leonard. Uh, he uh, worked for Alex Morales. Uh, he won two races with Alex Morales Racing. Uh, he won the, and they're both Michigan 500s. He won the inaugural with Pancho Carter. And he won again with uh, Johnny Rutherford in 1986. He then ended up purchasing the assets of that team from Alex. Uh, he, when Alfa Romeo come into the sport, he ran that team. It was his, his team. Um, and then later on, he went ahead and was, uh, I believe, in charge of CART. Uh, he was later on in charge of USAC. Uh, and then he was very instrumental in forming the organization that allowed Formula One in the MotoGP to race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He was in charge of the, the putting that group together. Yeah. Again, Johnny Caples, uh, he did a lot in the sport, did a lot for the sport, and the sport is lesser without Johnny Caples being in it. Uh, so thank you for everything, Johnny. Uh, thank you be, for being a friend. And it was, uh, it was great, great, uh, getting to know you over the years and in a lot of ways. And I've talked about this before. Uh, Johnny hated when I'd start the, the 20 questions on him, when he would sit in that, on that step stool in the shop, he, I would just start peppering questions at him, just firing them at him. And he told me one time, he goes, man, you just, you just always ask questions. And he, he meant it jokingly, but, uh, uh, I, 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 I hadn't seen Johnny in a long time. I know he'd been ill for a while. Uh, but I definitely will miss not seeing Johnny again. And, uh, I wish his family, uh, nothing but the best. Absolutely. Definitely sad to hear. Um, well, I think, um, you know, I think that's pretty much everything. Um, like I said, I want to thank everyone for watching and listening. Do you have anything else to add? I've got nothing else. I uh, just, I, again, please send questions, um, comments, whatever you have, please stop us and say hi. If you see us at a racetrack. Um, so again, thanks to everybody. Thanks for, to all the people who subscribed. Thanks for the people who watched the videos. It, it really does mean a lot. Yep, and please hit like and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And also follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, anywhere where podcasts can be found. Like we were saying, we've released some other content with Jagger, working on doing some other stuff. So please check out those videos. I think everyone will enjoy them. And if, like Scott said, if you have any ideas, 
questions, anything, please comment. Um, and I'm going to try to respond more to stuff. I, I've responded to a bunch of um, comments the other day. So I remember that you can reply to comments on YouTube. So I'm going to start doing that. And um, if anyone, uh, like I said, anyone has any questions or ideas for anything, you know, you'd like us to cover or do or whatever, we're coming up on 200 subscribers. So if there's anything you would like Scott Bowie to do when we hit 200, please let me know. I would prefer it if it involved me sitting down. I can write a small check to a charity. Uh, and when I say small, I mean small. Um, but uh, no, thanks to everybody again for subscribing. I, I can't believe we, we have almost 200 subscribers. And I can't believe we've done so many of these shows. And um, it's just, it's been, uh, it's been a great ride so far. Absolutely. Yeah. It's crazy that we've been doing this for over a year now and really how far we progress in the past year. Um, a lot yeah. of, a lot has happened in that year. It's pretty crazy. I, I, yeah, I can't agree more. And just had, I mean, I, I know you guys have heard me use this word before. I just want to have fun. I want to do things that are fun. I, I'm not going to do things that are for clicks or, you know, there's, there's plenty of people out in the world that who do that stuff. Uh, I, I, and I know I've said this before. I, I, I enjoy everybody that watches and listens, but we, I really kind of do this for my own, um, self to be honest with you. So I get to talk to a lot of people that I've either been friends with for a while. I res I've respected, uh, I've, you know, just, it's just been uh, it's just been a great great enjoyment and uh man i just i can't wait to keep doing it yeah absolutely well once again thanks everyone and um yeah hope everyone enjoys this fast interview and next week stay tuned for chris nifel was a really really cool interview um, it was great guy and um yeah definitely stay tuned and hope everyone has a great week take care everybody our guest today won races in Indy Lights and is an IndyCar pole winner. He is a 24 Hours of Daytona class winner and drove in six Indianapolis 500s. We are joined by Sebastian Severity. Sebastian, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Aaron Scott, doing good. Enjoying this beautiful weather that Indiana gives us. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to going down to Florida for a little bit, but uh, all good. Just excited. Thanks for the invite. Looking forward to a good time with you guys. Well, we're looking forward to it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I pretty much grew up around IndyCar racing, and kind of when I was really getting introduced to it, you were driving. Um, so I definitely had seen you kind of progress through IndyCar, and I knew when we started this podcast, you were definitely someone we wanted to um, talk to. And actually, like, I collect racing memorabilia, and I actually have a helmet visor you gave me one year um, at Kentucky. I forget what year it is, but so that's kind of – Awesome. Yeah, I can see quite the collection behind you. It's pretty solid. It feels Kentucky. Wow, I think we only went to Kentucky in the 09, if I'm not mistaken. So it was uh, quite a ways to go. like it. <laughs> yep, I'll have to dig that out and see what the sponsor is. But yeah, but anyway, so talk a little bit about how you first got interested in racing. So I was just a very active child. Um, I'm from Bogota, Colombia. It's, uh, it's a beautiful city that uh, gave me kind of the opportunity to 
to explore some athleticism at high school mostly. Um, but it was very young when I was given a, a go-kart by an uncle of mine. Um, I was seven years old. Actually, it was my, my seventh birthday. And uh, an uncle gave me an used uh, baby go-kart, which uh, was purple, by the way. <laughs> the first ever machine was uh, not my favorite color, for sure. Um, and I just fell in love with it. I You had a, a lawnmower engine, a four-stroker. Uh, and uh, I remember just uh, being a parking lot, just uh, doing laps on that thing. And, and um, I just wanted to kind of like enjoy it a little bit more like an, on an actual uh, racetrack. Clearly we do not have a lot of uh, racetracks down south in, in my country, but um, one thing led to the other, uh, we found a little uh, go-kart league um, and uh, it was the same year and uh, that uh, a lot of uh, other racers were. So if you look at, uh, I would love to find that picture somewhere. And in the same go-kart school, um, it was uh, Carlos Munoz, uh, Carlos Huertas. Um, it was uh, Jackman, uh, a couple other big names that, uh, that, that are still representing Colombia on racing. So that that year was a pretty solid uh, racing production from from our country to the world. And and from there, it was just um, growing in, in the ranks. Uh, I would say, I always say, is to be in the right place at the right time, got lucky, the right people were looking at the right places and they start pushing me in the right uh, locations. And uh, one day it was just, uh, being a factory driver from a go-kart team in, in Europe, uh, winning world championships that led to signing with, uh, with, with big brands like BMW and Mercedes and starting my open wheel racing career. And uh, then given the option to, to come to, to America and, and pursue the American dream on racing. So it's, it's been a blessing. Um, just looking back, I haven't, you know, I haven't gone back in time in a while. It just always gives me a, a smile. <laughs> so when you actually started racing, would you say like you had a racing goal? I'm, I'm guessing like Formula One probably is a big thing over in Colombia, right? So I started in 97 mm -hmm. and uh, 98, we all know Montoya came through the ranks and and uh, revolutionized sports in, in Colombia. I mean, we, nobody knew about Formula One other than, you know, the niche, you know, racer kind of like a people. But Montoya put uh, our country in, in the map. And uh, it, of course, like it was a perfect timing for this huge following of uh, young kids that saw, hey, well, if he could do that, why not uh, us? And um, that motivated a lot of uh, you know, private uh, uh, sector as well as our families to kind of like, what is it that we need to do to kind of like uh, pursue this uh, Formula One dream? But yes, it was mostly Formula One. Um, I, I started my career in South America, went to Europe, lived for, in Europe for a long period of time, uh, developing, developing my skills and kind of like going all the way up from Formula Three. And when the, that big junction between uh, Formula, sort of GP2 back then, or 
IndyCar. Uh, that was like the, the, the biggest decision of my racing career. And, and of course, I had an amazing opportunity to already be testing an IndyCar with Andretti Green Racing back then. And I, I, I chose it, you know, not knowing anything about ovals, not knowing anything about uh, American motorsports in general. And the best decision I did is uh, choosing that, that American path. Was Formula, B, Formula BMW USA was your first car that you, I mean, the first thing you actually raced in America, right? Or was there something else? Yeah, yeah. I think it was the, the only series which uh, it was in conjunction with uh, the British and the, the German Formula BMW. Mm -hmm. There were like four fronts. It was the Asian, uh, Asian, British, German, and American. And uh, I had the chance to kind of like uh, mix and match uh, at that point. So we did uh, most of the season in America uh, and uh, half of the season in, um, in Germany. And then in 2007, I just moved to all full-blown uh, Europe and Asia. Was there a moment when you were running go-karts that you felt like uh... – Hey, I've got the talent to do this, or is this something you were doing and others come along and said, Hey, we think you have the talent to do this. Uh, let us help you. I, I just loved what I was doing. I think I it was very, very late in, uh, in, in my racing career that, uh, I, I, I wanted a professional lesson out of it. I just enjoy being on track, uh, and just, uh, doing my craft and, and uh, I knew I had something just uh, mostly like in Colombia, like uh, it was, it was a, a year. I only was uh, a year in go-karts in Colombia. And, and I remember well, after winning a few championships, you know, like, you're all gorged and you feel like you're somebody. And then uh, my first reality check was in Brazil. Um, I was sent to Brazil for kind of that, that reason, kind of like, hey, you have something, but you're not going to grow technically uh if you stay in colombia which there's not uh, you know this development kind of uh, potential so brazil was where, where i i still say until today was where my skill was uh perfected and kind of like that's where the first time i, I had the reality check of like oh i'm not making the finals you know and uh, oh there's very aggressive drivers and they're kicking my ass i mean they're like i was like not uh, this strong driver that i was in in my hometown and that kind of like caused like a little bit of a, a big snap of what is it that it needs to take for me to get to exceed exceed my expectations and win and uh, it was a, a very strong year of uh, of development and i loved it you know a lot of uh, uh, running in the rain that I never did in, in Colombia that much and um, a lot of really good people around me to to push my limits and, and, and teach a, a, that Brazilian racing craft which is very different from anywhere else in the world and uh, yeah that uh, aggressiveness came straight from there and, and that was a perfect uh, timing as I got signed to CRG to go to do the industry cup in Europe and, you know, the, the European cup, the world cup. And, uh, that was kind of like after winning everything in Brazil, then boom, go straight to, to Europe. And again, another reality check. So <laughs> like now you're not racing against, uh, 
40 go-karts. Now you have 300 go-karts. And uh, now you have to make it to multiple um, semifinals in order to make it to the final. And uh, again, you start like six months without making it to the finals and you bang your head every now and then, kind of like, what is going on? Like I was so strong in, uh, in Brazil. And then you remember, oh, it, it happened the same from Bogota to, to, to Sao Paulo. So it was a big reality check that uh, I'm happy that it happened the way it did because it really formed me, not only on, on the racetrack, but outside of it. It just gives you a different strength and mental strength that uh, until today I, I use on everything. So your first year in Indy Lights, you had two wins. So would you say at that point you were completely determined and focused on pursuing a career in America racing? Absolutely. Yeah, I think when I – it was 2008 after doing Formula 3 in Europe that uh, I had that big call. And I, I came testing because I, I was testing. I tested DTM uh, that year. And then I, I, I jumped into an Indy Lights in Putnam Park and uh, <laughs> went to Kansas Speedway with uh, Schmidt. Schmidt Peterson was actually my first ever oval experience, which was just uh, eight drivers, five laps each, same seat, same car. Show us what you got. And I have never been in an oval before. So that was quite the experience alone. Uh, so was a, I was living in Austria back then in Vienna. So it was a very long travel to get to a very cold Indiana to <laughs> just have five laps and then go back to Europe. And uh, thankfully, Putnam Park was enough to get a call from uh, from Andretti. And that's that's how it started. That, that call made everything different because I no longer was pursuing the the European path. I, I just saw like the, the chance of... of following kind of like uh, the Montoya mentality, you know, break uh, America and then like see where it goes. So when I came to the U.S., uh, I was already full mindset that uh, I needed to excel in, uh, in the U.S. So you were in Eli's uh, Rookie of the Year in 2009. And then you, from there, how did you parlay that into your Ran to Speedway, which was I think you ran to Speedway what the next year? Well, two thousand nine. Yeah, well, two thousand nine. He you ran it in Indy Lights, right? Yeah, yeah. So, right. Two thousand nine was a full season on on uh, on lights and uh, testing in the in the car, the the older Indy car, and uh, there was uh, a big option. So that time there was a uh, big chats that uh, Danica was going to go to NASCAR and uh, there was going to be that uh, seat open. And uh, like we had the potential of jumping 2010 on an IndyCar already. And that was huge for me. Uh, but then that, that kind of didn't really materialize on her end. And I was left with the option of, okay, well, repeating Indy Lights, which uh, well, I mean, 2009, I was 18 years old, so it was perfect. You know, I could do a second year uh, with my age. You know, my teammate was Hildebrand, and, uh, you know, he, he was much older uh, at that point that I could kind of, like, take that risk of, of repeating. And it was at the banquet, you know, that 2009 banquet in Miami that uh, I was approached by Brian, Brian Herta. And that's when he was like, you know what, we're thinking on starting a 
an indie lights and indie car team and uh, it would be awesome if uh, you, you can join us and as soon as he said indy 500 i'm like where do i sign <laughs> you know, right. did not think it twice i'm like I, I didn't care if anything else just being given the opportunity to to jump in uh, uh, on the on the indy 500 so we we started from scratch with uh, not a lot you know we're a very small team very small sponsorships the william rust uh racing sponsorship which was awesome by the way uh <laughs> but as a starting team and starting everything was uh it was a struggle uh became the first 1990s baby to be in, in the field of the 500 and from there everything was history just uh just loved it and just didn't want to to leave it and actually we did the the indy 600 that year because we raised the Freedom 100 on Indy Lights and jumped and did the Indy 500, so it was quite the quite the month. William Rast was that not a uh, clothing company, right? I think Justin Timberlake owned it, right? Or he was a well, part yes. owner. Yeah, yeah, which was kind of a cool experience. But we signed it. The um, the contract was at the New York uh, Fashion Week and. Uh, so we signed into the fashion week with uh, uh, Justin Timberlake around us and, you know, showing us around. Like I, as a 19 year old Colombian kid, just like, uh, you, I was like over the moon on all these opportunities, but, um, but yeah, no, it was, um, it was quite the, the opportunity for sure. And then you had, uh, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, but in 2010, when you qualified for the speedways, one of the craziest kind of qualifying days ever, right? I mean, you uh, kind of take us through that day. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, we, we were struggling. So, Wonker team with uh, not the best equipment, and we we knew. I mean, we we knew it was not going to be like a plug and play for sure. Uh, and uh, during a qualifying day, I mean, bomb day. Um, we went from uh, fighting 26th to being on the bubble, to being outside the bubble, to being inside and huge fights to get there. And uh, we kept trimming, you know, the car was very hard to drive, but at same point, it's like, you know what, we're not going to go any quicker if we don't trim. Uh, so I had a big, big accident uh, uh, on turn one on my try. And uh, I knew that was it. I mean, it, you know, there was a, at that point, I think it was 33 or 32, but uh, I knew there was like, a few others that were going to try to to improve. Uh, I'm in a hospital at that point. I'm, I'm getting an MRI. Uh, I destroyed like a ligament on my left side of the neck. Mm. You know, like I fissured everything. I mean, I, I was a mess. I couldn't even hold my, my head just because it was, it was that bad. Uh, so at that point, you know, I'm in an MRI machine and, and my dad <laughs> gets into the into the technical room, whatever, and starts screaming and, you know, like they, they go on, on the, the microphone and, and, and the guy is telling me, you know, you made it, you made it. And I'm like, you know, don't move, you know, like inside the machine, uh, you made it to the 500. And I mean, of course, I'm jumping. Uh, at that point, there was no pain, right? Um, the Israeli was rushing, but uh, yeah, uh, Paul Tracy, 
um, pulled his lap to try to improve and uh, he couldn't improve and uh, he bumped himself out and I was I went from day four to day third and that was kind of my, my story like uh, just, which the next day Paul was trying to buy my ride which wasn't nice <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's where you could could do that yeah just an insane situation where it just looked like you were Alan and, and Jay Howard pulled his time too, and neither one could get in. Uh, it was so like it, just, uh, uh, it was the Sarah Fisher's team, I think. Then, right? Jay Howard. Yeah, and that, and that, that was a big blow to them because they had that sponsorship. I can't remember the name of it. Like, I forget to yeah. supply something, and that really hurt Direct them supply too. Or yeah, something like that, supply. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a big year. Yeah, we made it. We made it to the show and. Remember the famous saying of uh, Brian, like, you know, I were three guys in a truck, <laughs> three minute truck <laughs> or whatever they, the moving companies, because that was exactly it. We had uh, the same Indy Lights personnel, uh, same engineering departments and everything. We were a very, very small operation. So for us uh, to be in the show, it was, uh, it was very gratifying and, you know, put so much effort and we put so so much time into into knowing that it was gonna be hard. I mean, we we were definitely not competing with the front. It was just a matter of like making it to the show and, and um, by making it, it was it was very exciting. So at that point, I mean, obviously you you had you had raced at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indy Lights cars. So going into an Indy car, like, do you think it was kind of similar, or was it just like a completely different experience? It was um, it was a different monster in many ways. I think the, the biggest thing was the power. Yeah, you the older Indy lights, you know, with the big V eight and everything, giving some big horsepower anyway. Uh, but it was an old school chassis, very 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 heavy, uh, not very aero efficient, and going into a another big V eight power horse that's the kind of the, the biggest uh, aspect you know like having to to realize how how much more power you had in your hands and uh, how to be efficient with it and, and take advantage of it with um, another not very air efficient car so it, it, i would say in the ovals it was uh, very very fun to drive just because i mean those were the days it was three wide and uh, you know that you had enough uh, downforce to actually keep you grounded for most of the stint without having to to lift and be able to have all these fun battles that I miss very much in IndyCar, to be honest. And uh, and that's something that Indy Lights allow you to do, you know, like we were four wide in Indy, in Indianapolis at the Freedom 100 and, and uh, IndyCar, like allow you to do that with those cars. So so the the feeling wise, Yes, higher speed, higher Gs, but the racing dynamic was very, very similar. You're still very tight against other drivers, and uh, you still were fighting with these steel brakes instead of the carbon that, that came with the DW12. So very hard to, to, to slow down that car, but it, it was a very, very fun car to drive. So, I mean, at that point, so... And this is a question I ask a lot of people who who drive an IndyCar, like your first year in IndyCar. Did you have any moment like 
kind of like a welcome to the big leagues moment where maybe you pass somebody, someone knew who you were, or just a moment where you're like, man, I can't believe I'm actually racing an Indy car right now. Yeah, I had to, to pinch myself every now and then for sure. Um, but uh, looking back nowadays, I, I also gave a lot of things for granted. You know, I think that uh, it's not as if he was given in an easy way or not. I mean, I fought every single championship and I won everything that I had to win in order to get there. But uh, I was speaking with, uh, with Hinge like a, a bit ago. And uh, one of the, my, my biggest uh, problems was uh, getting, getting there that quick because I was 18. I was, you know, like a maturity level was not there. Um, I, I knew I was quick, but putting that speed into, into points, putting that speed into, you know, like uh, I did a few very, very silly mistakes that, uh, that should have never happened if you had the, the right mentality. So I, I, I do see the the young Seb uh, gave a lot of things for granted when when I got to IndyCar and then you know like I learned from there and then and uh, it's one of, one of those aspects like I would have repeated things in a different manner, um, but uh, I still had to pinch myself again every now and then just being being lucky enough to be part of um, such a field of racers of people that I most of them I followed my whole like racing career like right? being teammates with the TK for example a guy that uh, I, I admired so much uh, coming out of go-karts and you know in Brazil, in Brazil where I used to live they, they they saw him up there of course and they, you learned a lot from him so then just not only seeing as teammates but now you're racing against them that was uh, that was pretty cool and you also talked about like how Juan Pablo Montoya was just a big, um, you know, kind of like a hero to you growing up. And I mean, you got a race against him in 2014 as well. So I'm sure that was also a um, very special experience. Oh, for sure. For sure. Montoya, uh, like it, it was always kind of like that, uh, that big name just for, for us Colombians. And, sure. and uh, we've always had a great relationship. But then being able to share the, race, the same racetrack and to look back and like, man, like I, my first uh, ever go-kart race was kind of like, uh, my number was number six because he was number six in the championship. And I chose that because of him. And if you look at my first helmet, it was a Montoya helmet. So mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, it was looking up and, and then at the same time saying, no, like I, I, I deserve my spot here. And now it's like, uh, I don't, I don't see him. As, as an idol right now, so I see him as my competitor. And uh, we've had some um, magic battles throughout uh, my career, not only on IndyCar, but in sports cars. Uh, we've had some super cool battles that uh, until today just like brings me a smile every time I think about him. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to race against your, your idols, but it's even better when, uh, when, when you're going at it and you know like, oh, we, we're strong together. <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned uh, your youth because that was something I was going to ask you about. And, um, and, and we're talking about, you know, 2010, 2009, 2011. And people, like you said, you were 18 years old, 19 years old. Uh, you know, I mean, you're only 31 today. You know, you're, you would, you know, you're in your prime 
essentially right now. Um, and I just, I, and that was someone's going to ask you about uh, kind of what you thought about that, but also at the same time, I almost feel like, like you said, like you, you come along a little early cause you just, it seemed like you just had like, you would get your opportunities and things didn't quite work out. And then, you, you know, you take like the, the 2014, uh, Grand Prix here in Indianapolis. I mean, you're finally, you're finally showing people, Hey, I, I you know, this is how I got here. And then IndyCar, um, and I know they were just trying things and, and they were trying to get interest in the sport and, they were kind of taking a package that wasn't made for standing starts and trying to do standing starts. And unfortunately you're on the pole and it, it doesn't take off and you weren't the only one. I mean, I think there was another card stalled too. And unfortunately you get hit and your, your day's over. And it just, it seemed like you were just your youth and you were just kind of snake bit a little bit in your career. Yeah. It's, I would say I, I IndyCar was, career, I should say. I mean, I, yeah. I need to say IndyCar career. No, no, yeah, I completely agree. And then I added back and I, I, I had amazing opportunities, right? I mean, like just being part of the field alone, you know, that's already a huge victory. But at the same point, it's just, uh, I look back and I was all, almost always gasping for air as soon as I left Indy Lights. Because uh, as soon as I jumped into Heritage in 2010, then uh, they, they, they were going with the Weldon for 2011 and uh, so I'm out of a right and uh, uh, got lucky that uh, Conquest Racing with Eric Bachelard, uh, like they, they showed some interest and uh, but they, they end up, you know, shutting down uh, completely. That was their year that they, they left IndyCar and that, again, like I was like asking for air just to see what's next. And then I got a super cool call uh, from um, Jay Penske to run in, in Dragon Penske. And, uh, but his focus was already Formula E. So at, at the end of the year, they shut down. So again, you're, it's like I, I, it was never like at that point that I, I, I could be stable, like with right. The, the right material. Like a, that was an awesome year having uh, Sebastian Bourdais as my teammate. But uh, we we knew like that was their, their last season and, and and we didn't know that in the beginning, so it's kind of like uh, it was a big opportunity because I thought that finally I had a three year contract actually with them, and uh, but their mission was already in Formula E and then I was should we go Formula E or should we see what happens, and then uh, TK ends up winning that, that year goes to Ganassi. And I got stranded in a flight with Jimmy Vassar going to Toronto and uh, we signed a deal right there just going like, because <laughs> there was nothing going on with the, with the Dragon. Uh, and then that end of the year, again, it, it was just a matter of, I never had that, that platform, right? I never had kind of like that right. perfect kind of like moment of, of, of feeling that so the team and everything was was in the right place and myself also, like my, my mindset, as I said, in 2013 with, uh, with Dragon, like I, I just go back and I said, man, like I, I could have done things a bit differently. I could have approached things a bit differently, but 
I also was uh, wasn't given those tools to actually excel in many in many ways. So I fourteen was a, a big year because he was finally kind of like back with Sebastian Bourdais as a teammate. So it was a little bit of regularity having an amazing teammate and somebody that we get, got along very well and uh, we we developed very well. Uh, and month of May, as you say, it was like uh, turning out to be quite already the start of the month. And, uh, you know, we, we had, uh, you know, and that was not, yeah, like many people were having that issue because the cars are, were not designed to start. And, uh, you know, we were designing this map with Chevy to actually make it somewhat for like a, a electronic standing start. And it kept failing, failing. And I, uh, I was good doing it in manual mode and manual, like I never had that issue. But uh, being forced to go into that specific electronic mode and, and you see all the lights pop up and whole emergency mode go into your car, I knew that was the end of us. A uh, few others had the same issue. Like I'm saying, it was only, uh, only us. But uh, as you say, it, was, it would have been an amazing opportunity to see what we were capable of doing with uh, finally getting our, our, our feet planted. Of course, the car was destroyed, and that was the car that we were going to run for the month of May for the 500 as well. So now we had to piece together a car for the 500, which we knew was not going to be solid because it was not going to be as aerodynamically correct as you know the hundreds of hours they, they put into the, the main car. And uh, that kind of started, and from there on, it was just like a, a snowball effect, unfortunately. But uh, again, I, I, I look at it and I still see like uh, how fortunate we were to actually be, be there. It's just a matter of, okay, like, I never got a chance to kind of like put it just together and just kind of like get that, get that feel, you know. What, what is that feeling like? Because uh, I, you know, like say, I can only imagine, I mean, you know, being stranded at a stoplight, right? When the, when the light turns green in your car, dies right is that feeling like sitting there knowing that there's a great chance you're going to get hit you're of just uh because we we had that uh first lap you know before and right. at that point it failed and uh i'm like it's it's failing we cannot do this on uh, on the map that we are set to put on on, on the standing start and uh, i remember requesting very very vocally that uh, we, i wanted to do it manually so we had one lap to get it sorted before we got back to to start finish and, and do the real start and uh it was uh, overheating. The whole system was overheating. The engine was overheating. Um, the the manual mode at that point, uh, it was going to be like almost mandatory just because uh, the emergency mode, everything like the, it was not even shifting at that point. So it started way before I actually got to park it. Um, and at that point, it was just a matter of you're a passenger. So you sit down. You know, you go through your whole scenario, you know, you put it in, in neutral just because, you know, you have to wait for the whole field to come in and you know the car's going to overheat. All the alarms before heating are on. Um, 
then you okay, go through your whole method. Actually, I, I have on my simulator here <laughs> sitting down so I can see like <laughs> what I was doing, you know, just getting, you know, the bytes exactly the specific number that we were set. Um, the other pads were 100%. So uh, like everything like we are told to do. And I'm like, I, I, I should just break the rules and do it manually because something is going to go wrong. And immediately just uh, completely goes to the point of, there's not even a shift. There's not even nothing going on on the car. And that's pure frustration. So you, you already know before the actual lights start to go that that uh, the, the race is not going to start on your end. And uh, that point is you start realizing, okay, well, there's 20 some other cars behind me. And uh, desperation starts to come in, into play. And uh, you start to get a little bit uh, anxious of, mostly more than myself it was the car <laughs> because i'm like this is my car for the month of may if something happens to this it's going to be just the end of, of may for me and uh green flag goes and as soon as i saw hunter a which was number two go at the speed that he was from just uh, 10 feet away he was already doing 100 miles an hour by the time he passed me i'm just making the math i'm like if that's what 100 miles an hour looks like, I cannot even imagine at what speed will the last car gonna come my way. So I'm, you know, I'm just doing all the, almost like uh, jumping out of the car to try to get some acknowledgement. And at that point it was just uh, being a passenger and just uh, hoping for the best. I just remember I just kind of like clenched and kind of like just take a big breath because it's like a, the circumstances were so that I was going to get hit, which eventually happened. And thankfully, it could have been a lot worse. There's a few very crazy pictures of uh, a lotion's nose there, the Russian, just very like like inches away from my helmet. It's mm. like he, he crashed into me. And then we went like kind of like in a weird kind of like sequence. And like he was my helmet and he doesn't scrape my visor like nothing. So it could, it could have been a lot worse. Um, I still, you know, had a few broken things here and there. Uh, met the best chiropractor in the world that put me back together once again. And, um, and yeah, just uh, go back at it the next day. Um, so we alluded to a little bit your first year at Indy, but talk a little bit about what what's that like on race day? I mean, your first race day at, in the Indy 500. Um, I'm guessing it's got to be overwhelming. Obviously, there's a lot more people in the stands than you're used to during qualifying or practice. Yeah, so thankfully for me, like, I had a chance to experience all that the year prior in Indy Lights, right? So and that's when like uh, Carp Day had quite, oh, quite a number of, of, of people. And then in the 500, as a, just just seeing it from outside, it was a, you already kind of like experienced the, the, the extent of what Indianapolis is. Then the next year, as a driver in the field, it's, it's even crazier just because uh, it's, uh, it's a moving organism almost. You know, you had to over 400 and some thousand people, if not more, just uh, moving like a one. You, it's just uh, something that nowhere in the world can recreate that. That's also the cool aspect about it. 
biggest one-day event in, in history. So I just remember, most importantly, the green room, uh, you know, before you get into the introductions, I think after a long month, that's the first time you get kind of like to, to be not the driver, but just be Sebastian, you know, and getting a little bit of uh, like 20 minutes of uh, breathing and kind of like uh, congratulating everybody. And uh, I remember uh, Jack Nicholson was uh, the, the, the starter. And uh, like, I remember I was sitting there and I was kind of like uh, talking to, I don't know who, who it was. My brother was there. And then this guy comes to me and it's like, uh, so you're young, you're very young. And we're, I'm like looking at this guy kind of like, oh yeah, I'm a baby. And we're talking about something. And it's like, well, best of luck, you know, whatever. And we're like, yeah, thank you, bye. I'm like, what is this old guy wants? And my brother's like, dude, that's Jack Nicholson. That is the Batman, dude. I'm like, oh my God. I was so focused in the moment. I didn't realize how big of a, of a guy I have on my side. But it, uh, it, it gets real when you're, in the, you're being presented. Once they called your name and you're on that little podium and uh, you start waving and you kind of look the whole extent of the racetrack and there's no one seat that's open, uh, that's when you realize how big of a moment it is for, for you and for the, the day itself. So it was uh, it's very special and you know, all the times that I got to do it, that was my favorite, just uh, getting to take a breath uh, and just look at uh, the extent of, uh, of the history of this place. Obviously, you drove in six Indy 500s. So would you say each one was kind of equally special for you? Like you kind of took it in like it was your first one? Or did you, I don't know, maybe get used to it? Or that may be the wrong word to use, but. You never get used to it. You never get used to it. And I think that's something that should not be something that you get used to it, you know, because it's, uh, it's a level of respect that you got to give back to the history of the place and the, the extent of, of what it means to you as a, as a, as a driver, as an athlete. Uh, I would say that uh, very special moments, for example, like 2012 racing with Andretti, uh, just having like a, a super cool kind of like teammate lineup and being able to have the, the strength, you know, of actually being in the front and actually leading practice sessions and, uh, and, and everything. I mean, that was, that was amazing. Just being, I remember like a, a, a radio uh, host from Finland called me like after, uh, I think it was the, like, I don't know, last practice session that I was leading and like, how does he feel to be the quickest man in the world right now? And uh, it hits. I mean, you don't realize it's true. But so uh, it's, um, but yeah, it, it, it never gets old. It always uh, gets you in a different way. And because every single day is a very different racetrack, it's a very different car. It's not like other races that uh, consistent. I mean, Indy, Indy is not consistent. And you know, I'm a firm believer of what a lot of the, the veterans say, like uh, Indy chooses you. I think that's something too that uh, I, I do actually do believe. You know, we talked about the unfortunate start to the race. Um, 
2014 and then our, you know, the Grand Prix and then you were unfortunately involved in an, another race that went terribly wrong, which was the Vegas race. Um, how, first of all, I, and I don't remember, I didn't look it up. Were you involved in the crash at all? I, I got hit. I, I survived. I had, uh, I could not continue because okay. of, uh, there was a suspension arm from EJ Viso that uh, punctured the radiator, the tub, and it was like about seven inches from my chest. Ooh. And uh, that was something absurdly crazy because I made it to the pits. I, mean, I remember like a Viso kind of like, like ramping over, I think it was Mira or somebody landing on the side and there was a huge explosion uh, i'm just looking at pieces all over the place and just trying to kind of like get away I made it to the apron uh, i had uh, two flat tires but that was it i managed to kind of like do my lab we reconnected with everybody and then you know it's red flag so they put us uh, in the pit lane at that moment we didn't know much we just knew it was a, a big wreck and um I remember like parking behind Scott, Scott Dixon, and uh, the crew chief uh, came to me like, don't move, don't move. The medical is coming. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, like, I don't know what, uh, what, what is that uh, you're saying? So as soon as he said, like, don't move, are you okay? Like, are you bleeding? And I'm like, and then I, I looked down and that's when I realized that uh, the suspension arm completely intact just going through the radiator through the top and just like almost cursing me as well that's when you know i was like completely lost it you know it's like you get the shakes pretty, pretty badly now did you did you so you said you went around it but you didn't immediately go into pits you made the you made the next lap before we coming did. into pits so yeah what I remember looking, watching it on obviously in car video. And I remember looking at that and it was, it looked like something out of Hollywood movie. It, it didn't look real. I mean, what yeah. was it like having to drive through that debris field? Well, at that point, you're kind of like on, on diagnosis mode. Uh, as a driver you at that moment you're okay like i got two flats two right flats uh prepping your mechanics to be ready you know because at right. that point like we didn't know if it was just gonna continue if we we're gonna stop it like so uh, i'm in full-blown diagnosis mode uh checking that the car everything is good everything felt okay um uh, i had uh no alarms at that point so i'm you know like i'm fairly positive that we can continue the race and we just need to, to change the, the tires. Uh, so I'm not a huge wreck looker, even like, a, sure. like on the highway, like, you know, I hate people just uh, slowing down and kind of like checking somebody wrecked or, or somebody that has been pulled over to the side and then they slow down just to see him. Like I, I hate that kind of people. <laughs> so um, I, I never look at uh, what's happening outside of my, 
my control, like I focus on what I can control. And uh, that case was my immediate uh, car and myself. Uh, I knew it was massive, you know, because I, I mean, I, I saw the explosion and I saw the fire and I saw, you know, smoke and all these things. And they, of course, the debris. But at that point, I mean, you just like approach it like uh, any other wreck, basically. It's like, okay, just like shake it up. You survived. Uh, just to focus on the next lap, basically. Yeah, it just the 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 video footage of it looks so unreal. Um, I just never, you know, and I and I really understand and respect what you're saying about being so concentrated. You know, I I have this saying: um, I'd like to have a race car driver where a bomb could go off and they don't really even acknowledge the bomb goes off. They just keep driving. You know what I'm saying? They just avoid it and they keep driving. You know, like you're, you're like you're not acknowledging. I mean, you you know something happened, but you're focused in on what you're doing. And, and um, you you got to you got to train yourself like yeah. that, and and you cannot. Uh, a lot of the crashes that happen is because you get hypnotized by the wreck itself. You know, most of the ovals, you're so focused on your line and you're so focused on everything else that whenever something is happening you lose all your focus on yourself so most of the time it's called a tunnel vision that you look somebody spinning and you just hypnotize by looking at the car spinning and then you ended up like following him as well so i think that's uh something i do have to train and i think every driver has to train to kind of like avoid and just keep in the moment and keep on the, on track of uh, what you're capable of doing no, it makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. It's very easy to get hypnotized because it's, I mean, if, if you're not raised, I mean, it's something uncommon. I mean, if you really think about it, how many times like uh, you're on a highway and you see a crash happen at the moment? I mean, very rarely, I mean, 0. 0.0 something of a percent, maybe. Uh, probably seen a couple of crashes in my whole life, like outside of racetrack. Mm -hmm. But it's very common on the racetracks, and it's uh, very common to see somebody spin in front of you and somebody just make a mistake, drop a wheel, things like that, and then you kind of like try to take advantage of those mistakes rather than sure. get hypnotized by those mistakes. So when somebody is losing it on a road course or, or an oval, you're most likely already strategizing how am I going to capitalize on his mistake rather than be part of his mistake. I think that's an important part, not be part of his mistake. One thing I wanted to ask about because um, so a good friend of the show is Roberto Guerrero. We've actually had him on um, and actually I designed some t-shirts for me because I have a racing merchandise um, online store thing and we did some Roberto Guerrero t-shirts and I know he talked a little bit about you, but he was like your driver coach. Is that correct? One of your first years at Indy? Yes. Yes. He was, uh, he was actually my spotter and my, my initial, uh, I would say coach at Brian Herta. And that was something super special, you know, just um, history that he has for our country and a, a guy that is probably one of the nicest human beings uh, I've ever met in my life together with his whole beautiful family. So he's a guy that uh, I, I care for a lot, like even today, like uh, we have a very, a very close relationship 
and uh, it's just cool to to see where that all started like, at the Indy 500. Right, and I'm. I mean, he, he was definitely um, a different, completely different. I mean, he raced before you were even born, but um, I, I'm guessing he was still like an idol in Colombia. Um, he's probably like w- one of the main idols before, like you know, like Juan Pablo Montoya, right? He, he's a pretty he's big deal. Huge deal, huge deal. I mean, he was a different generation right. for sure. I mean, uh, me. When he was on pole, it was 1993. Like I was, uh, you know, one, two years old. So I, I never saw him race. You know, I never grew up seeing him race. And when I started racing, it was home Montoya. So like he was a uh, different world. And um, I think that uh, only when I got super into like uh, racing was that uh, I realized that. Uh, just history, you know, like there's a few big racers, one of them being Roberto. Um, unfortunately, like we were not like taught in school about him. We were not, uh, like, they, they never like told us, like, uh, like there was like a lot of big names in, in sport, not only racing, you know, like we had a few big, you know, boxers that made it huge back in the day. We have, uh, uh, a few very big cyclists that uh, right now cyclist world in, in Colombia is, is crazy winning, you know, the Tour de France and everything. Um, so Colombia being that small, it's this incredible, the amount of, uh, of cool athletes that uh, it, it exports. Uh, but uh, most importantly, the amazing human being that Roberto is, I mean, somebody, something that even until today, I mean, we, we do a lot of events together, you know, like uh, stunt driving and, and, and a few fun events with Jaguar and Range Rover. Right. And uh, the level of love that people have for him, it's, uh, it's just amazing. Something that uh, he, he steps one, one day in, in a speedway and uh, it's just like uh, he just goes back to the 80s and people just love him that much. So that's, that's pretty cool to, to experience. Yeah, he for people today it's it's hard to explain really what a big deal he was uh and the the Indianapolis fans loved Roberto and and he's such a great race car driver and um and then he overcome some pretty severe obstacles to get back to racing and just uh, <coughs> amazing amazing story and um Nice. Yeah, he's, great guy. And, and he can he can drive man. He 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 can drive we did uh, the Baja 1000 together, and uh, you, you look at uh, you look at him. You know he's uh, kind of like a skinny dude and everything, but he jumps in a car and uh, you're on his uh, passenger side, and uh, he just puts you like to like see exactly who he was, and he continues to be. I mean, the level of skill that he has, the level of uh, professionalism that he continues to have. And uh, he's just a uh, skill. It's just uh, abs- absolutely uh, on road, off road. Uh, it's just uh, so somebody that I uh, I like very much, purely. <laughs> and um, so talking about different <laughs> forms of, <laughs> you can't. It's just a big blur. I just see a big blur moving behind you. Yeah, you can see you see a big butt just moving. <laughs> the um, so talking about different forms of racing. So. You did, you have done the 24 hours of Daytona. Um, well, you've done 
let me, well, I should say you've done sports car racing, but you've done 24 hours a day turn on three times and you won your class in 2019. Um, so tell a little bit about that experience. It's, it's such a cool opportunity. And uh, that's something that came very randomly, but very naturally, you know, and it's something that um, I did a few endurance events in South America that I loved, but, you know, it was six hour events and, and we were pretty strong. And, and uh, 2018, uh, it, it was like a, a year after my last 500. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, it's, uh, I had a really good opportunity to, to bring some, uh, some Colombian sponsorship into racing but uh, I was structuring a, a Colombian team, like uh, the way I, I sold it to the government. It's like I won in uh, five years to make this team 100% Colombian from the truck driver to the engineer to the driver in the lineup. And, um, and they loved it, you know, because like the way I sold it to, to the president of the Ministry of Sports, it was like, we have the capability, we have the level of talent not only on the athlete aspect, but on the engineering aspect, we have incredibly, incredibly smart uh, young students from engineering that uh, I, I want to kind of like show them uh, a broader view of, of, of the world, not to just keep their small mind in, in our country, but uh, like expand themselves. And uh, they love that. So that's when um, sports cars came into, into the map. Um, it was a little disaster of a year. <laughs> <laughs> we we signed with a with the wrong chassis manufacturer. We were, we were the only Ligiers and uh, I don't speak back or yell nobody, but uh, yeah, Orica was in a different series, different category. I mean, like, we we were really there was nothing for us to do uh, with Ligier, who's very very substandard to to fight. Uh, but then 2019, uh, together with Roberto Gonzalez, which uh, was our teammate in 18 for the endurance events. Um, he gave me a call to jump with his team, with the Oreca, and uh, race uh, alongside Maldonado, Pastor. And um, it was uh, an amazing experience because I remember I, I, I went to the roar just, uh, just walking, just checking everything, just kind of like saying hi to, to everybody. And... Um, and he's like, where's your helmet? And I'm like, I got it in the back of my car. Why? <laughs> you always, that's the reason you always, as a racer, you always have your, your helmet with you. Okay, well, I, uh, we need to, for you to jump in the car. And uh, I jumped in at the roar. Uh, we killed it at the roar. And he's like, would you like to race the, the 24 hours with us? And I'm like, who would say no to that opportunity? You know, like, um, you know, with the, the opportunity well they were WEC they were doing the World Endurance Championship and uh, we we just went at it and, and uh, it was a lot of, a lot of uh, different stages you know we, we lost the, the race many times we won the race many times <laughs> and we went from you know five laps down to leading to crashing in the last lap to red flag and winning it so it was a uh, so many emotions and you know just being part of, of a very elite group of people that uh, can hold their rolex as their trophy 
uh, and having Montoya again, it, it, just uh, having three of those, I'm like, okay, well, at least there's something I can get closer to him. <laughs> I, uh, I know somebody has a Rolex from there, and I, uh, every time uh, Daytona 24 come around, I used to, I, I haven't lately, but I had to ask him if he's got that thing polished up and, and wearing it just so he could tell people he, uh, he won it, you know. Uh, oh, just uh, you know during race work, time. If I could work out with that thing, I'll I'll, I'll work out with that thing. <laughs> so I mean, I'll be I'll be told not to. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, the appraisal goes down. <laughs> but for me, it's just it's just more. It's just the what it means. I mean, just uh, sure. It's it's just uh, I wish every because I remember Ritmo Ritmo Mundo when we would win races in any lights, they would give us a a watch. So I, I like that concept of being able to to wear oh, sure. something that is functional, you know, be able to just like, oh, what time is it? By the same time, let me tell you something. There's a story behind it. Um, so yeah, I, I like those those kind of trophies. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Revo Mundo. They were they were big in IndyCar. I mean, they had a big presence, and they just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, I don't know why. Because they sponsor Weldon. Um, I think I had to deal with Milkaduno. And yeah, like you said, they sponsor like the series or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think any of my watches are functional right now. So maybe that's something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did say that. <laughs> I, I, back, I completely think so. so. I don't really have anything else. Do you have anything else, Scott? I don't. I uh, I was going to ask. So what? Uh, I I know you mentioned before we come on that you you do the Ferrari Challenge. Um, what what else? What's your what's your days like these days? I mean, do you have a business? Do you what are you doing? Um, everywhere. I keep busy. Yes, I I have a few entrepreneurship concepts, or not concepts. I mean, they're a reality. Um, I own a, um, a specialty garage in Colombia, which uh, we specialize in uh, kind of like uh, specialty projects with uh, with cool cars and stuff. Um, we have an uh, import of uh, auto parts from Asia, Europe, and uh, America to Colombia. That's something that uh, has been pretty fun to be part of, and actually a lot of. Uh, business to business concepts that uh, you, you learn from racing and just applying it outside of racing is kind of cool. Um, it's called Reparo. So if you guys need any parts, reparo.com, it's your place to, to go. And um, as well, together with a couple other mates, we are with the Driven uh, Sports Performance, which we're uh, starting uh, to manage uh, a few youngsters and uh, giving them a little bit of a north and uh, horizons. So I have a few athletes under our flag that uh, not only we coach or I personally coach, but uh, we structure their, their careers in the U.S. and Europe mostly. So keeps now, you busy. Are they, are, they, are they drivers based in different parts of the world or do you concentrate Columbia or the U.S. or – a little bit of everything, a little bit of everything. Um, right now, of course, Latin America, it's kind of like a, 
our forte, just uh, based on our demographic and, and our knowledge of, of uh, the market as is, but uh, we have a, a little bit of everything. I mean, is it, is it a, um, you know, I mean, obviously money is a huge part of the sport. Obviously, I mean, it goes without saying. Is it, um, do you actively, you know, put the, help put together the deals for these people to, for their careers to, to be able to evolve and grow? Yes. Yes, yeah, huge. And that's something, so I'm not retired in any way or form. You know, I'm still oh, no. pushing to get jump, to jump back in. Well, the, you're 30, in, you're in 31 years old. You're yeah, 31 years old, man. You're, you're in your prime still. I'm just waiting for that. Uh, I look at, you know, when Simon Pagina got his gig or when the Will Power got, because I remember like in 09, uh, going to, to Will's um, apartment here in Carmel. And uh, just at that moment, he had nothing. And, you know, he was kind of like uh, stuck and just like trying to see what was uh, going to happen with his life. And uh, that's when he got a call when, you know, Elio was having his, uh, his situation. Um, and then his career has skyrocketed. And, so like being there, you know, as an 18 year old kid, kind of like seeing somebody that uh, I follow very much, you know, and I loved his, uh, his career because I loved Champer. I really, really did. And, um, and I was so stoked for him. And until today, we're, we're super good mates. Just like just seeing us eating a sushi, a naked chopsticks in Broad Ripple, just kind of like poor uh, because he had nothing else to do. Uh, and just jumping to sim, he was the first time I actually experienced a, a in-house simulator. It was his, and get his break. So I, uh, I'm, I'm still keeping myself up to date, contact with everybody. Um, I, something that I feel proud is I, I never closed any door behind me. I, I kept everything very in line, and together with Gary Peterson and AFS Racing, it continues to be an opportunity that uh, when the right opportunity arises, we will take it. But uh, we don't want to be, I mean, the last few years, it's been just uh, fighting against European money that uh, it's impossible to, you know, like the drivers that uh, didn't make it in Formula One and they bring these uh, Formula One budgets. And I mean, that's something that uh, we knew it was nothing that we were interested in. And uh, you know, I think it's just a cycle that just kind of happen. And I have my age to my advantage or disadvantage. I don't know how to see it when, I, when you look at Herta the moves that he did. And that's the first time I felt old was watching, uh, I think it was uh, Pato on um, passing Scott Nixon on the outside of turn one in Road America. And I'm like, I would have not done that. You know, that's when, it, when you start like, like, wow, that was, that was, that was legit. Or when uh, I think it was just watching the onboard of, uh, of Herta in Nashville uh, on qualifying. I'm like, that, that the, the ways that he was uh, so comfortable with that car, I mean, once you're connected, and uh, we've all had that moment, you know, for me, it was probably Toronto, uh, 2015. Once you're in, in line with uh, with your car, I mean, you can do magic with a car. But uh, yeah, these, these, these younger generation, they, they have something very special that uh, I can't wait to, to be on track and, and kind of like keep it give them what I have to see. How can we bounce? Well, you sound pretty introspective today. So I, I have one last question. What would the not so much older, 
uh, Sebastian, tell the younger one. Like, what would you what would you tell yourself today, the eighteen year old version of you? What would I tell myself? Uh, if I if I could have gone back in in, in time. Just because I saw a movie the other day, somebody went back in time. Awful movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would just say, don't think, don't give things for granted. Don't give things for granted as much as you know that uh, you deserve to be there. Keep working, keep working uh, at it. I think I did give a few like uh, things for granted that uh, did not, should have never been the case because now like I'm, I'm 31 like i'm still young but at the same time i think uh i should have been a little bit more active you know i should be more in the, on, on any car than i was well yeah. i absolutely respect that opinion i mean that's we all gotta learn right everything this is how everything. it is that's right <laughs> hey it's been an absolute pleasure for me Thank you, you so much. Yep. Um, it's a good pleasure. If, Thank you, Aaron. You, Scott. you know, are you going to be, uh, are you going to be around Speedway this year in the month of May? You bet I'll be there. You know, I got my veterans driver program, everything already in line. I'll be there. Uh, but hopefully on a car. Who knows? We're still pushing. There is a couple potential programs that uh, until the last day, I'm not going to give up on. And uh, we'll see how we can get uh, older Seb back in the saddle and uh, and show show what we're capable of doing. Well, I, I wish you nothing but the best. I hope okay. that day comes for you. <laughs> and uh, if I see you, I'll definitely say hi. Please do. Please do, guys. Thank you. Appreciate the yep. invitation. And we'll see you guys in Anytime. a few months. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.